This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. Last week, with no warning, J&R closed its store in Lower Manhattan after 43 years in business. The iconic electronics and music retailer said it would reopen, totally reimagined and redeveloped. But for now, at least, New York's last music superstore has bitten the dust. There are a few shops where you can find classical CDs or vinyl, and in a moment we will talk with the co-founder of Record Store Day, which takes place on Saturday and includes over 1,200 retailers from across the country. First, I will speak with Steve Smith, the former music editor of Time Out New York and a freelance contributor to the New York Times. Billboard magazine wrote that, at its peak, J&R was the only independent music superstore going toe-to-toe when Tower Records, HMV, Virgin Megastore, etc., etc., made New York City a music superstore haven. So what do you make of New York City now with no J&R and with really no place to buy CDs in a store, hardly? Well, you know, that's uh, in a store is key because what's really missing now is the social element of shopping for CDs. And that's that's a very real thing. I mean, if you went to a concert any given night at Lincoln Center, you could tell whether it was a success or not by going over to the Lincoln Center Tower Records immediately afterwards and seeing how many people were hovering around the bins in the classical section. You really could tell, you know, oh, it was an off night and uh, only one or two people are in there, or it was a great night and suddenly the clerks are flooded with requests for CDs by that artist who had just performed. And people would talk to each other and share stories and swap advice. And so it's it's really sort of the social powwow that's gone by the wayside. And I have to admit that I never really acted that way with JNR because it was just a little bit too far out of my way and the hours were quirky. It was a fine, fine store with good stocks, but I never really adopted it the way that I did Tower Records. I, you know, I still have kind of a phantom limb syndrome when it comes to that Lincoln Center store. And see, now, I remember J&R when it was in its heyday and when you could go in there and there were guys, and I have to say they were mostly guys, who could tell you, you know, if you were a newbie and you said, I want to buy a recording of Carmen, they could quote you chapter and verse of why you wanted which particular version of Carmen. Where do you go now if you are a newbie? Is there any place you can go if you want that kind of advice? It's really, really hard, and you're not going to get that kind of advice from iTunes because, you know, iTunes is basically set up in kind of a pop music structure where the song is key, and if you know what artist you're looking for, you can enter that artist's name, and you're you're sort of presented with a bewildering array of, you know, partial successes, but nothing really scratches the itch the way that, that, a, that a good store clerk would, as, as you were just saying. And um, there are some websites that have sprung up that really do sort of cater to that urge. The, the one that I use the most myself, not to, to be a, a free advertisement, but the one I use my, myself the most is archivemusic.com specifically because it does sort of cater to that clerk-like mentality of if you look for, say, Carmen, then there will be a handful of recommended recordings, and one of them in particular is always singled out as being, here's the one to start with if you're just going to buy one. And there's a little bit of a review either by uh, an archive music staff person or sometimes shared by... um, a classical website or by gramophone or fanfare magazine. So you do get the sense of some kind of authoritative guidance. 
And that's one of the two things that archive music really does well. The other thing, of course, is organization, knowing where and how to find things, you know, being able to search by various parameters, by composer, by style, by genre, by historical period. All of these things are meaningful to we classical music listeners and purchasers. And those are things, again, that, that iTunes just can't offer. And I think people probably have to get their social element through. It would have been news groups at one point. Nowadays, it's more likely Twitter and Facebook. Blogs still have some degree of influence. But, um, you know, I, I think you are looking at a scenario that's split into where you get your advice in one place and then you go shop in another place. I think that's definitely the case. When you were at Time Out, you put together a guide to the best record stores in New York. Is there any actual store now that a classical music fan can go to? Well, for, for casual fans, you know, somebody who is, again, looking for that first Carmen or some such, there are a couple of Barnes & Nobles that still have almost respectable selections. I mean, I find myself racing across the park to get to the Upper East Side Barnes & Noble, you know, after a good concert at Lincoln Center. Um, the Met store at the Metropolitan Opera will have a basic selection that uh, used to be more comprehensive and is now sort of seemingly tailored more toward what is on the Met stage at any given time and also that company's, you know, robust history. But it, it does okay for its little niche, and there are people there who can help, help you uh, sort through the stacks. And, uh, you know, one last option, although I don't think it's well-trafficked yet, is the Juilliard store, which has a good selection, but again, nothing that compares to, you know, even the least of the superstores that we've been talking about. How about someplace like Academy Records? Well, Academy, you know, that's like the, the Strand bookstore of the music world, and certainly its classical holdings have, have traditionally been very, very robust, but there at Academy, you know, 95% of what they carry is secondhand, so you can't go in there thinking, I am going to get this Knoppert's Bush recording of Parsifal, because chances are good they won't have it. But if you go in there and you just let yourself get carried away by the experience of flipping through CDs and looking for bargains and being willing to be surprised, then it can be a, a, a very fine experience. And I, I do go to Academy on, on 18th Street pretty regularly still and come out with an armload of things that I had no idea I was going in for. And where do you come down on vinyl? I am I'm a little bit vinyl lazy. I am collecting vinyl. I am not assiduously playing vinyl so much. But for older things that have not made the transition to CD, you know, a lot of times that's going to be your only choice, unless, of course, somebody has made it available as, as a download-only thing. And we are starting to see some of this where major labels like Columbia will dip into the back catalog and put things up for download that were never issued on CD and that haven't been available on vinyl in, in decades or more. So online is where a lot of the action is moving. And, you know, that's, that's sort of true across the board for, for music retail, I find. We're coming up on the 7th Annual Record Store Day on Saturday. Saturday is the 7th Annual Record Store Day. Has this had much impact on the music industry? Well, I do think that it has had an impact for uh, sort of in general in terms of getting people talking again, getting people to celebrate the fact that there are still record stores in this supposed depressed music climate. I think there's a real thirst for places to go 
go to mingle with other people and the shopping as a communal experience as opposed to as an experience you do with your laptop computer while you're in your pajamas on the sofa. So I think Record Store Day, in terms of just visibility and in terms of getting people interested in, in going out, it's been a good thing. I think it's been a shot in the arm. And of course, people are attracted to all of the very special record store day exclusives that get produced by record companies every year. So, and I remember last year, I believe it was, you know, Deutsche Grammophon got into the act and they pressed up a Gustavo Dudamel Berlin Philharmonic recording that was available in no other format and in no other way at that time than to go to a record store and, and seek out the vinyl. That's a kind of nice thing. I don't know that it necessarily caught on, but, um, it certainly made me feel like they were extending a branch out to we classical buyers and saying, hey, you count too. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Steve Smith writes about classical music for the New York Times. Back in 2008, Record Store Day was launched in San Francisco to give a boost to struggling independent music retailers. The seventh annual Record Store Day takes place this Saturday, April 19th, with over 1,200 retailers across the country hosting events and selling limited edition merchandise. Joining us on the phone now from Raleigh, North Carolina, is Carrie Colleton, the co-founder of Record Store Day. Now, I understand to participate in Record Store, you have to be an independent, non-corporate-owned shop and not an online retailer? That's correct. We celebrate the brick-and-mortar indie stores and their place in their communities. So even if you're a user-friendly online retailer, not... If your main focus is not a physical brick-and-mortar retail store, then you don't fit the criteria to be part of Record Store Day. And why do you think the brick-and-mortar thing is so important? I think brick-and-mortar physical retail is important in, in any industry. I think it's important in the record store industry, partially because I've been part of it my entire adult life. I've worked in record stores my whole life. And I know what a great place it is to go and talk to other people about records, about music, about something that you love. Record stores don't sell food. They don't sell water. They aren't something you need to live, but there's something that makes life a lot better when you love it. And I think it's best to have a physical place for human interaction when you're talking about something like that. So what has been the biggest change in the landscape for record stores since you started Record Store Day? Well, we've seen new stores open, which a decade ago, I think if you had said there are going to be stores that open that only sell vinyl or new record stores opening, period, I think people would have laughed at us. We see that happening. We see every year more and more people going to record stores on Record Store Day, but also throughout the rest of the year. We see more interest in them. We see record stores becoming a part of the popular culture again. You know, sitcoms will stage a scene in a record store, even if it has nothing to do with the plot. It's just, it's cool to be in a record store now. And you think this is attributable to Record Store Day? I would never say it's completely because of us, but I don't think you can say that we haven't played a part in bringing record stores back into the spotlight. Here in New York, we've had pretty gloomy news for independent record stores. J&R just closed. Rizzoli, the old bookstore, is leaving its longtime location. They used to have a small bit of music in there. Do you find that you're fighting a losing battle in big cities like New York because the real estate 
prices are just too high for record stores? I I don't know if I'd say it was a losing battle because at the same time, one of the most celebrated, talked about record store openings in a really long time has just happened in Brooklyn, Rough Trade Records. I don't know that I'd call it a losing battle. I, I don't even know that J&R is completely gone forever. They seem to have ideas about reorganizing, redesigning, and, and be, being part of the revitalization of their block. It is tough. Of course it's tough. And the, the larger you are in a more expensive city, the more difficult that could be, no matter what it is that you sell inside the store. There are about 20 participating New York record stores listed on your website. How do you convince people, especially younger generations, that they should get out from behind their computers and phones <laughs> and go somewhere to buy music? <laughs> well, we, we try to make it as enticing as possible. We have 450 special releases on Record Store Day, and, and that sounds like a huge number, and it is. But the reason it is is because we try and find something that everybody would want to go out and get. We have um, an EDM classical piece, the first ever EDM classical piece that we've had, and, and that's on there. Everybody, I hope, is going to come to a point where spending all your time in front of a screen is not something you want to do, that you really do want to go out and have some sort of human interaction and I just I really believe that record stores and music is a great place to start. Do you think there is still a market for collectors, DJs who use vinyl, or even old timers who just love vinyl, or new timers who love vinyl? I think there is a market for all three of those. We know that there are people who buy records on vinyl who don't have a turntable. They're just buying it for the pure beauty of the physical media, to have this physical thing to collect. And the beauty of that is a lot of records now come with what we're calling a digital convenience, either a digital download or a code or an actual CD packaged with the record so that you have the vinyl, but you also have a convenient way to listen to it when you're not in front of your turntable. Are there any cities right now that have especially healthy climates for record stores where they're really thriving and you found that sense of community about them? There are, and they're not all in where you would expect. A lot of people think record stores are probably Los Angeles and New York. Um, Louisville, Kentucky, I believe there have been three record stores in the last two years that have opened there. Seattle, Washington, lots of record stores. Um, the Boston area, lots of record stores. Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee, we find pockets of these great communities everywhere, Cincinnati. And I know in some towns in Austin, and, and I believe in Cincinnati, I could be getting that wrong, they're doing some sort of a crawl on Record Store Day so that if you go to all the stores, you, you get discounts in all of them, which I think is fabulous. It is fabulous. Well, good luck on Saturday. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Carrie Culleton is the co-founder of Record Store Day. This has been Conducting Business. The producer is Brian Wise. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.